Movers and Shakers on the Talk Shop. Finding out the story behind businesses and the people who build them. So we're all looking closely at the election results, but in the meantime, let's chat to our mover and shaker. It is, after all, a Thursday, and she's in studio with me looking stunning, might I add. Mireya Verstier Mujanaga. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I said to her as we were in, in the break, I said, okay, so I'm going to try and pronounce your surname in Dutch, but I did it in Afrikaans again. Say it again for us. Versteeg Mojanaga. Versteeg Mojanaga. Okay. Well, you've been in South Africa since 2002. That's correct, yes. What brought yeah. you to South Africa? Um, well, I initially came for a, a research project for my studies. Um, I did a degree in organizational anthropology, and in the time, 2002, the HIV epidemic was um, yeah. um, very rife, and there was still a lot of denialism. And I was looking at uh, the reasons why some of the companies responded in a much more proactive way than other corporates, mm. mostly the mining and the construction industry. So that brought me to South Africa, um, and I found yeah big differences among workplaces, yeah. mostly for economic factors. The one company would be more advanced. There was no policy uh, enforcement to really put into place good wellness programs at mm. the time. But uh, I then also met a very special person who became sort of my research mentor and who would later also marry me and my husband. And that's Mr. Mojana. That's Mr. Mojana. I have to say this though, mm. when I saw your, your, your surname, Versteig Mojanaga, I thought, the surname Mojanaga just suits you so much because do you know what that means? It means you you've traveled the world, you you eat the People world, the land. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and it fits yeah. you. It fits you perfectly. Yeah. And so you know, in your work, I want to hear about the period between two thousand and two and two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. um, and what it was that led to you then starting your work with the Rural Health Advocacy Project. Yeah, um, so the um, the research mentor that, that I then met that helped me explore different parts of South Africa and um, also made me to stay with uh, family in Venda, p- parts where you would normally not come as a student. Mm. Um, he... Uh, he then asked me to come back and do a year of, of, of research at a community-based research center that he was heading up, Mighty Bank Center for Research, which is based and st- still based in, in Brits, in oh. uh, Northwest Province, with quite some peri-urban, um, rural um, villages around in, in, in around the, the the main town of Blitz. Yeah. So I worked there for a couple of years as a as a researcher and very much on the ground with people from the community that were trained as research assistants. We we did research among um, people's knowledge of HIV and AIDS, their satisfaction with uh, hospital services, their yeah. access constraints. Uh, we worked with the Department of Health, with traditional leaders, ward councillors. It gave me f- very much a full rounded picture of all the stakeholders involved in delivering uh, uh, health services yeah. to people. And that, that made me very passionate about rural health. Um, it was a bit of an organic process. Um, I, I, I'm quite passionate about human rights and it, it can be any right, right to education, right to food. Um, but I happen to have organically grown into the, into the health sector. Yeah. And um, yeah, from, from there, I eventually started working uh, for the Rural Health Advocacy Project from uh, its inception when it was established in 2009. Yeah, but but before that, mm. right, before mm. your, your work with the mm. Rural Health um, uh, Advocacy Project, 
you you know that period 2002 up to 2009 that was a very interesting period in terms of south african health because as you said there was that denialism in 2002 and then we had this you know this wave of arvs coming in people yes. ideally should have been accessing adequate health care um and that should have been a period for real development do you think that that was what it was supposed to be Look, there was a, a major improvement, and um, that's when the, the ARV rollout started, and I think it has improved uh, access significantly, but there were still major constraints in terms of being able to, to provide medicines for everyone and getting people to test for HIV and getting nurses trained to uh, provide ARVs at clinic level because the access constraints for people in, in rural areas are mostly people of very... Um, disadvantaged uh, backgrounds uh, mm -hmm. to get to the hospital in the first place can, can cost them a whole lot um, to access the ARVs. Um, so the fact that we now have it at the clinic level is, is a major improvement. Mm. Another big change that we saw in, in those days was the change of um, working relationship with the leadership, um, especially when at the time Minister Mozzoledi and Barbara Hogan came, came on board. That's when the advocacy project started. So when we started, there was a a bit more of a um, collaborative environment to do it to conduct advocacy mm. Mm. yeah and you you then started working with the rural health advocacy project what is the project exactly what is it that you do so the RHAP, we call it RHAP in short, it's, it's a very small organization of only six people, but we are um, formed by three big organizations, uh, Section 27, WIT Center for Rural Health, and the Rural Doctors Association of Southern Africa. So basically it brought Remember together... TAC as well. Uh, TAC is a very important and strategic partner to us, but they didn't directly found us, but okay. currently they are, they are also on our board. Um, so it brought together health, rural healthcare workers, academics, and uh, human rights law center around the issue of the the right to healthcare for mm. for people living in rural areas because there were there were and still are so many constraints to to that full access to healthcare services. Yeah. So that is our main mandate to to continuously advocate for improvements to to quality healthcare, reliable access to medicine, human resources. Um, and to address other um, constraints. And one big area that, that we feel p very passionate about is the role of community health workers, which mm. is a, a new development. And they've always been there, but never fully supported, never enough they in still, numbers. Are they still not fully supported? No, uh, l largely not. I mean, there is the vision at, at the highest level, but to have it implemented, uh, we, we need more uh, resources, we need more training, supervision, support. And structure, I imagine, because yes, I, I yeah. see that with community yeah. health workers, there isn't, they're not part of the... The, the physical makeup of what our health facilities and structures exactly are. they need yeah. to be they need to be seen and uh, and embraced as fully part of the primary healthcare team. There's no other way of uh, making this work, and especially in the rural areas where people really uh, spend a lot of time and money accessing services and some people uh, can't travel to the clinic because they they have disabilities uh, or other constraints. We need community health workers to to bring healthcare services in reach. Mm. And we need them in, in high numbers, not mm. 60,000. We need them in, in large numbers. And as such, it can also create um, employment, which is not a primary reason, but yeah. it's another big advantage in, in, an area, in areas, in the rural areas where unemployment is rife. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I've always thought that if you have a sufficient number of community health workers, what you're able to achieve is not just access to health care for community members, but also health care to awareness. I mean, um, yes. access to awareness and yes. education, because yes. those are people that speak to, they, they live yes, exactly. with, with members yes. of the community. That's true. Just, just to give our listeners mm. a bit of context, I think sometimes when we talk about um, access to health in urban areas in comparison to rural areas. We don't understand how big of a challenge it really is, right? So rural areas are home to 43.6% of the population, and they're only served by 12% of our country's doctors and only 19% of our nurses. That's frightening. That says that there's a massive group of people in South Africa that have no access to that very basic right. So what does the Rural Healthcare Advocacy Project actually do? What are some of the programs that you then run? So we, we are very much a, um activist sort of think tank uh, with many um, membership-based organizations on the ground that tell us what is the reality of, of healthcare services, uh, what are ways of improving, what are the challenges. They give us early alerts when there are medicine stock out, when health posts are frozen mm. and uh, uh, facilities go below a level of, of minimum staffing. So we, we are a bit of a hub connecting practice, realities on the ground, policy makers, uh, and partner organizations. Yeah. And um, so we, we do research, we offer solutions, we provide technical, some technical support, but we also uh, are more involved in, in the, what we call it accountability advocacy. So mm. holding um, government decision makers to account. Give me an example of how you've been able to do that. Uh, well, one very inspiring example, I think, is it's very much a coalition-based model of which we played a part was the, the emergency medical services case in uh, Eastern Cape uh, mm. over the past few years where the Eastern Cape Health Crisis Action Coalition brought together community members that had uh, suffered the consequences of lack of ambulances where family mm. members had passed away uh, due to an ambulance not showing up. Um, and especially, again, of course, rural communities are disproportionately affected by, by those constraints. Mm. Um, so... RHAP is a member of the of uh, the uh, of ECAC, and we provided some budget analysis um, the, 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 in terms of analyzing the planning, resourcing, and expenditure of, of uh, ambulance services. Mm. But other partners all played their part, and we all came together in this campaign. and And one of our members was also on the um, on the panel. And uh, eventually, South African Human Rights Commission they um, subpoenaed the Eastern Cape Department of Health, Eastern Cape Department of Transport, um, Treasury, and so on, to to hold them to account. And to say, what are we doing in order to make ambulance services available for, for, for people that need them the most, the mm. most vulnerable people mm. that do not have access to private healthcare services, that do not have access to own private cars, that really rely on ambulances in people's most vulnerable moments in life. Yeah. And uh, as a result, we now... Um, in, the, in the latest uh, budget data, we've seen that there's been an increased investment in ambulances, including mm. four by four ambulances for the most inhospitable parts of the Are Eastern those Cape. reaching people, though? Exactly. Because you can have the ambulances, yes. and they're, not, they're yes. not reaching people. Yeah. But I think, and that is how RHAP works. I mean, we cannot really claim uh, to be the only uh, contributor to, a, to such a success. It's mm. very much a partnership model, which a whole lot of organizations work together. But we then bring a specific rural voice, rural analysis, to make sure that um, the rural context is taken into account. Because sometimes we think 
we address rural needs by having a generic approach, yes. but we don't because there are, and that is not to say that urban areas do, do not have their uh, own needs challenges and their own right. challenges, but it just means that to get a healthcare worker to work in a rural area has its own, it needs its own strategies because look at um, uh, Alexandra, for instance, yeah. or, 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 or in any township in the urban areas, a healthcare worker can still live the good life mm. um, in Santon or relatively, in, yeah. in what, relatively yeah, right. yet serving an underserved community. Mm. But to get healthcare workers to work in rural areas, um, they, they, we have to have yeah, better retention and recruitment mechanisms in place. Yeah, yeah well, uh, let's open up the lines for calls and uh, questions and comments. Perhaps taking your calls on 0891-104-207. We're speaking to the project manager of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. She is our mover and shaker. The number again, 0891-104-207. Led by Martin Kremer, Mining Weekly offers unrivaled global coverage of the resources industry and the companies and people shaping it. Subscribe now at MiningWeekly.com. Kremer Media's Mining Weekly. Mining news around the clock. In August 1956, the women of South Africa broke down barriers. Here's to them and those who've been breaking down barriers ever since. SAFM, honoring the women of yesterday, today and tomorrow. Faith, by definition, is abstract, intangible, and purely predicated on belief. That effectively means we cannot have facts, at least from that perspective. The fact of the matter is, you do believe in whatever you believe in. And so it is that fact that we will be engaging on our show, Facts of Faith. Our new faith show on SFM from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Sundays. Join me, Nayelu Pondwana, on Facts of Faith. Our best conversations are the ones we have with you. Call us on 0891-104-207. Tweet at SAFM Radio or SMS 34701. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, you're still on the talk shop here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The number is 0891-104-207. If you'd like to speak to our mover and shaker, Maria Versteich. I'm going to struggle with that one, but I'll keep practicing, I promise. Maria Versteich Mojanaga. She is project manager of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. Send your SMSs to me on 34701. Again, that's 34701. You know, I think there's a narrative in South Africa when we talk about healthcare workers. Um, and this is rural areas, urban areas. We, we almost villainize. Uh, healthcare workers in the country. I mean, in some instances, attitudes are things that need to be addressed. But how much space is there for healthcare workers to advocate for themselves? Um, yeah, that that's, um, goes straight to one of the reasons why the Rural Health Advocacy Project was established. It's, it's primarily to advocate for access to healthcare services. But the second reason is to give a safe voice for healthcare workers to uh, get advice and support in, in self-advocacy. Outside of the trade unions? Yes, because mm. um, we don't focus so much on working conditions, although that is also important, uh, of course, and especially if you're trying to retain few healthcare workers in rural areas. Mm. But specifically when healthcare workers see 
what we would call patient rights violations, avoidable deaths. Um, they, they want to do something, but often when they try to speak out, they're being victimized mm. um, or, or, or disciplined for going outside of the structures. Mm. So, and there's been, there have been many such, such examples in the past, and it makes healthcare workers very anxious. And uh, some have tried and will not try again if it has led to such. Um, uh, disciplinary action. So what we, we, we developed is a safe place to, to report so people can report through the Royal Health Advocacy Things Project. Things like stockouts. For instance, right. yes. Um, and they can also contact the Stop Stockouts Project, mm -hmm. of which we are a partner organization. Um, but also we provide um, uh, CPD accredited workshops at facility level on advocacy skills. Mm. And um, many healthcare workers don't, are not trained at university level mm. um, to how to advocate. Yeah. Mm. Well, we have a caller on the line. Colin is on the line from Cape Town. Colin, good evening. Evening, our lady. Yes, thanks for calling. Uh, I'm just listening to your program. Mm. Um, talking about uh, health uh, workers in rural areas, it's very hard to get them going there, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you know, first of all, well, I, I see such a lot in Cape Town and all over the country. Every time, every week, I hear on the radio, I see in the newspapers. The rural area people must actually um, start getting educated and respect the health workers. Because uh, the health workers at work there are quite afraid. And even our ambulances, our mm. paramedics and those things, I just read the, in the paper, they stole the ambulance, took the four... Um, uh, ER 20, uh, ER mm. uh, personnel's phones and wallets, and they rode off with the ambulance. When they go into those rural areas, they, they're actually in danger. You see, they've got to be sort of escorted or something like that in. Okay, but I don't know if we, if we should be talking about escorting healthcare workers into rural areas. That, that sends a message that people in rural areas themselves are criminals. But, Colin, I get the point. Thanks, thanks for calling. Yeah, uh, you know, um, once, uh, once the rural areas, the community start respecting and say, look, here, five firefighters and ambulance are here to help us, you know, hmm. and we must respect them. Okay, Colin, thanks okay, for calling. thank you. Yeah, let's, let's actually talk about the conditions that uh, healthcare workers are really dealing with in in rural areas. Let's, and, and let's paint a picture of what a day looks like for a healthcare worker in a rural area and how different that is from someone who's working at the Joburg Gen, for instance. Um, yeah, just, just to also respond to the, to the previous um, caller, I, I don't think that's a very rural specific uh, uh, issue and, and I've actually more he heard of that happening in urban areas. But um, nonetheless, um, I think uh, there are what we say, good and bad guys in mm. any sector. You've mm. got good healthcare workers, you've got bad healthcare workers. And let us appreciate those that go the extra mile. There are many of them. And those that don't, they need to be held accountable. And again, our, our training helps fellow healthcare workers. How do you, do you, hold, you, how do you hold each other accountable mm. uh, in a safe and strategic way when, when someone is abusing the system? Mm. So, um, well, a day in the life of a rural doctor, we've, we've done it a, f a few years back. It's, it's, a, it's a very busy day, but it's also uh, a very rewarding day. Um, uh, often the, um, the teams are, are smaller and one relies very much upon each other. It's long days, long queues, uh, but you can make a, a very big difference um, in, in, into the lives of your, your patients. Mm. But I think uh, working conditions, uh, they, they can be tough. It also depends on the facility. There, there are some good practices in the rural areas where everyone wants to work, where they actually turn away healthcare workers. Mm. So it also shows you good leadership can achieve a lot. 
Um, but one thing I want to raise in terms of working conditions, I actually want to speak about uh, the working conditions of nurses and especially the accommodation in rural areas for nurses is, a, is often appalling. And we expect uh, people, healthcare workers, to work away from their families to, to because you have to live close to the facility, traveling mm. there every day. Many of the nurses live on the premises of the facility in very dilapidated accommodation. And I think one thing that we need to demand from a policy like the National Health Insurance is to make sure that it becomes a place, uh, yeah, a place where people feel proud and uh, to work and, 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 and a dignified place. Yeah. And uh, we've seen many um, um, nursing homes without working toilets, no clean uh, access to clean water. Hmm. And we, we can't really... Um, achieve our goals. Yeah, yeah. Way. I just I, just as we as we wrap up, though, you know, we mm. have the the results coming in for the elections, and we're all looking at you know who's going to be leading up, uh, leading our wards in our municipal areas. Um, what are some of the things that you believe, especially when it comes to healthcare, some of these new leaders really be need, need to be focusing on? We really need to turn around uh, infrastructure inequity. Uh, trap. If you look at the, the the most deprived districts in in South Africa currently, they are still the same as the former homeland districts, mm. and those are all rural That's districts. We yeah. need to invest in the rural areas where the needs are the greatest and where people are are are, are having living most deprived conditions. Mm. Not only in terms of healthcare, access to education, unemployment. We need to invest in those areas to deal with the backlog, to deal with the history, hmm. uh, the impact of, of our, our history. You were part of the AIDS conference that just took place in Durban. Um, what Do you think that when we look at South Africa, and you can do this in maybe 20 seconds because we're running out of time, Yes. the way that South Africa's narrative of how we're treating healthcare, especially HIV and AIDS, in, mm. in the view of the world, is that looking better or worse? Um, we, we, we are seen as leaders, but we need to invest more and we need not to forget that we need healthcare workers in order to roll out uh, test and treat and other priority programs uh, and TB uh, prevention and treatment. We need healthcare workers on the ground and community health workers, otherwise we won't reach our goals. Yeah. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? RHAP is on Facebook, uh, the, uh, on Twitter as well. We've got a website, rhap.org.za. And we also love all healthcare workers to join the Rural Healthcare Worker Associations because we need that that critical mass of advocacy, yeah. competent healthcare workers. Yeah, well, continue the great work. And, and do keep us updated on the work of the RHAAP because what we do on the talk shop, we love work that is being done. We want to talk about your results and what the method is that really works, right? So... Stay in, in touch with us. Let's be friends. Thank you, Al. Let's Thank do you that. so much to our mover and shaker, Maria Versteich. I got it right this time. Mujanaka, project manager of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. It's eight o'clock. Let's get into the news.